Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. The distinction that I learned through the Advisory Board Centre course was very much probably that an advisory board does the road testing, a governance board does the decision making. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Sonia Byers about the difference between advisory and governance boards and the value add that governance boards can get from an advisory board. First, let me tell you about Sonia. Sonia is on the boards of Bus Q Industry Superannuation Fund, Affordable Housing Solutions Limited, the Ford Foundation, the Auscare Governance Committee, Queensland Law Society, and also a not-for-profit committee. Sonia is Managing Director of Leading Governance Consultancy and Legal Advisory Firm, Governance by Design. Sonia specialises in developing solutions to foster leadership from the boardroom. Her combined expertise and experience supports directors and their boards to become future-focused leaders for greater impact and results. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Sonia. Thanks, Helia. Good morning. So, Sonia, before we talk about advisory boards and the difference between governance boards and advisory boards, we would, as always, love to dig a little bit deeper about you. So, can you tell me a story about young Sonia that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Thanks, Helia. I like to share the story of my father walking in when I was about 13 years of age and handing me the book written by Daniel Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I can say still at my very mature age as a middle-aged woman, I'm still learning to do that most effectively. So that book has certainly changed the way that I approach people, individuals, and particularly now working with and for boards how to influence within a collective team. I was almost relieved to hear the conversation go that way. When you said, I can clearly remember when my father walked in, I thought, where's this going? But no, it was just with a book. Just with a book and it's just still related to me having to identify how I can contribute in the most effective way given my very forthright, direct and influential 
style that I have, which some people find quite affronting. So it's it was around how best to speak with people, respect others, mm. draw out the other pe person's perspective, and yet still influence where it was necessary to do so. It's an oldie but a goodie. So I'll actually make sure we put a link to that in the show notes. I just want to dig a little bit more there. You said that sometimes people find your approach around that a bit affronting. Yes. Oh. I, well, I often find that it, with language, you can be perceived to have said something that was not intended. Mm. And so having done some recent learning in this through INSEAD and other coaching programs, it's become apparent to me that just saying something may not make other people feel that comfortable. So if you are wanting to influence, then the way that you can frame the same comment will obviously result in something or a different, perhaps a different outcome. Mm. So it, it, again, going back to the principles from Daniel Carnegie, even starting with someone's name is something that will influence framing something as a question rather than making a statement. So I've found that these that these matters are something that I have to work at because I am very direct and I like people to feel comfortable around me. And I often think being honest and upfront is the way to do that. But different styles, different cultures require different communication. Yeah. And again, great lessons for the boardroom because it's all about building that trust and building those relationships in the boardroom. So having or at least being aware of different communication styles can be helpful. Some people are totally upfront for the uh, direct communication and some people are not. Yes, and, and having recently participated in the INSEAD International Directors Program where I was one of 40 peers, um, I was only one of two Australians in that group, so you are with a whole group of different cultures immersed in this education program the book called The Culture Map has also been really important in understanding that that style shared by, uh, you know, some different nationalities is actually very well received, but some other nationalities receive that as quite disrespectful. And so, like you say, the way that boardrooms work is to make sure that there's a collaborative collegiate nature and yet still a directness through that word respect. And so often... The word respect, to my mind, can impact a board's effectiveness because people can be too respectful. So I like to make sure that we can push through that level of respect to get to where we need to get to. However, I've got to do that in a sometimes more softly manner than what I'm otherwise natured. <laughs> well, as someone who's often also quite direct, you know what, even though it's an oldie but a goodie, I haven't read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People yet, so perhaps I need to put that on my reading list as well. So today we want to talk about governance boards, advisory boards, the value that advisory boards can add. And often here at Take On Board, we're talking about governance boards because, you know, that's the legal requirement for many organisations. Whereas an advisory board is a bit more of a value add. So can you start by telling us what, what is an advisory board and what is the value they can add to an organisation? So the advisory board is a, a, what I would consider perhaps as a new model. Others would suggest has been around for some time. I think it's coming to the attention of governance boards now. And it's, it's a group of experienced people who come with a range of wisdom and expertise who are appointed to give advice, make recommendations, or to provide counsel to either the business directly through to the executive team or through the governance board itself. So the advisory board has no binding decision-making authority, nor do they have any executive function in the business. 
but they're there to provide a different lens. So as we know, a governance board has a lot of work to do in a very limited time. And so it's providing another opportunity for that collective team called that governance board to hear from a range of different perspectives. And perhaps that advisory board might be limited to a particular project, or perhaps it's to hear from a group of stakeholders that that business is connected to. But its intention is to inform the governance board and for the governance board to then take that information and use it as it sees fit. So it, we often hear questions around, well, isn't this what board committees do? Where's the distinction? Board committees are often comprised of the governance board members and others that may be populated onto those committees, whereas an advisory board is established with a clear purpose and its composition is set around that purpose. So it is more tailored and can offer different solutions or perhaps as I said earlier, just different perspectives on an issue. So you say it's established around a clear purpose and then the composition around the purpose. What are the sorts of purposes that you've seen advisory boards be set up around? So there are some industries where there are even mandated advisory boards. So, for example, some of the hospital and health service boards have advisory committees to hear from stakeholders. Some of the leading governance boards in Australia now and internationally are setting up advisory boards around particular projects. So it might be, for example, if there's a digital transformation piece within the business, what that transformation ought to look like, and then in assisting in scoping up that project, what those parameters should be that that governance board needs to consider. Mm. So there's often areas within the business that the governance board is accountable for and needs to drive, and yet it either doesn't have the full time or capacity or perhaps the wisdom to be able to identify what those parameters are. And this governance, this, this advisory board is, is put in place to assist in perhaps that project-based task of identifying what that looks like. So, uh, so I'm seeing it across a range of areas where it might be that there's a level of engagement required. There might be a disconnect. Perhaps it's, it's shareholder or member engagement. You mentioned in some areas it's mandated, like hospital boards, and as the Take On Board community knows, I'm on one of the hospital boards here in Melbourne. Although it's it, for a hospital board, at least for our hospital board, there are three directors from the governance board who also sit on the community advisory committee. So is that common? I think I heard before you set up the purpose and you bring people in who have experience around that particular purpose. Is there often crossover between the governance board and the advisory board? That is one model that might assist the governance board in understanding the advisory committee's purpose. And so, yes, it might be that you have some commonality of composition. Might be there for a couple of reasons. Perhaps it's the only way the governance board's got line of sight to how effective the advisory board is. Perhaps it's because the communication lines are then more effective. If the advisory board, however, is set up by the governance board to assist the executive or perhaps to ensure that a project is running effectively, maybe then it's an executive team member that sits there. So the benefit of this advisory board model is it's not it's it's developed fit for purpose for that business. Mm. So there is a lot more 
flexibility and agility around an advisory board than there is a governance board because mm. we know that the governance board is entrenched in an organization's constitution and the board may have the capacity to appoint directors itself but it may not so if it can't and it doesn't have the wisdom coming either from its shareholder or member pool then this provides the board with a level of flexibility and so they may retain some connection through to it. Alternatively, the advisory board may have the chair that attends the governance board meetings to provide an update on what mm. matters that advisory board has considered. What was your first advisory board? The Ford Foundation, which is an advisory board. It's a trust fund established following the first review into institutional sexual abuse of minors and care leavers. And it was established 20 years ago after the Ford Foundation review in Queensland. Mm. So this is an interesting landscape to be in because now we've obviously had the Royal Commission and we've got that into aged care and we'll soon have disability. So 20 years on, we're dealing with the same matters. This is an advisory board established under statute. So it is a trust fund held by the public trustee mm. and yet secretariat is through a Queensland government department. So we have various stakeholders that our board of advice needs to consider and yet with no decision-making authority make recommendations around where grants should be spent and how that a very limited amount of money in, held in trust should be used for forgotten Australians. Yes. So I've been sitting on that for, I'm going to say, four years now. And uh, we are still uh, navigating our way through stakeholder engagement because this is the distinction between a governance and an advisory board. You can only influence so much. You're only making recommendations. The decisions are left to others. And in our circumstances, they are statutory bodies. And for that, the decision makers in that one, I think you said it was a, a public trustee. Is that an individual or is it a board of trustees? So it is the public trustee through an individual. However, as we know, that's normally through delegated authority across a range mm. of individuals working for that public trustee. So we've had a range, we've had one consistent person that we've been connected with through the public trustee. But since I've sat on this board of advice, we've actually had two or three public trustees. So mm. there's been a range of incidences that have occurred. And so we've had leadership changes for those that we're making recommendations to, which of course, as we know in the government setting, results in different policy perspectives. Mm -hmm. Right. So in a role when you're an influencer, those changes of um, decision maker, I'm guessing have a bit more impact because you need to go back to square one to build those relationships, build the influencing role and so on. Which similarly, I guess, for an organisation that is an advisory board for whether it's an executive team or a board of governance, it's building those relationships that is key. So it sounds to me like being on advisory board, one of the key skills is influencing, which is likewise to a governance board in many ways. Can you give us an example from your advisory board experience around how that um, has played out in practice? So I think, as you say, how you the the influencing word is key to any directorship. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm going to reference one of the most recent learnings that I've had through INSEAD, which is the reminder that directorship is 80% political and 20% decision making. 
And I think it's not until you start to really reflect on that that you realise it doesn't matter if you're in a body that makes recommendations or a body collective team that makes decisions. At all points in time, you've got to understand what it is that you think is in the best interest for that organisation and those who you are there to govern for. And even as an advisory board member, you still should have at first, your first vested interest should be that organisation's success. So once we stop and think about that and we take away our own personal agendas and what we might like to achieve, what is it that we can do to influence so that this organisation is there for the long-term sustainability and that the recommendations or the decisions we take are in the best interest for those we're here to support. So on that board, for example, we're, on, we're having ongoing conversations around that we now have an ageing demographic. This was established, remember, 20 years ago. The forgotten Australians are now pretty much at aged care year levels. So they're, they're looking to be supported either in home or in institutions again. And these individuals have had significant trauma in institutions. Can you make recommendations around suggesting that support be provided for in, in institution care, which is not what they want? So we're constantly grappling with what is it that is in the best interest for those people and how do we make recommendations? If, if it was established for forgotten Australians, should we, wind, should we make a recommendation that that trust fund should be wound up now to support just those people? Because at the time this trust fund was established, it wasn't anticipated that we'd still have care leavers 20 years on, but we do still have a number of people leaving foster care that we, still, we are now supporting. So the next level of care leavers have come through. So how do you make recommendations that when you're in a grants round, you make a recommendation that someone who's just come out of care who's 18 should miss out for somebody who needs a hearing aid who's 78. These are really difficult decisions to make. And for us, they're only recommendations. If you sit on an advisory board, you've got to take that to the next stage of how is it in the best interest of one and not the other. For mm -hmm. us, we can just say, well, we recommend this person or this, this kind of, this grant for this purpose. And perhaps next time we'll think about that differently. So it, it's a constant, constant discussion, I think. Hi folks, it's Helia. Just popping in here to let you know about the next Take On Board event. We'll be hearing from Joe Smith from the New Zealand Productivity Commission about how boards with the right mix of skills and experience can help build frontier firms. She's done some hot off the press research and she'll take us through the key findings to help us understand how skillful boards can best overcome challenges and succeed. I'll be in conversation with Jo about her report and its findings, and you'll get a chance to ask some questions of her too. You'll also get the opportunity to meet some of the Take On Board community from across Australia and the world. The event is on the 4th of November, and there's a link in the show notes and on my website to book. Early bird tickets are available until the 21st of October. Now, back to the show. As you're describing it, it does sound... For some organisations, it sounds like some of the, whilst it's advisory only, whilst it's recommendatory only, the decisions that are being made, that is the decision on who to recommend, is very similar to some of the decisions made in the boardroom, in the governance boardroom. Absolutely. And I think the distinction that I learned through the advisory board centre course was very much probably that an advisory board does the road testing 
a governance board does the decision making. Now, mm -hmm. like you've just said, when you're having the discussions about road testing ideas and recommendations, you are ultimately thinking while you're doing that road testing, someone else has to make this decision. So in, in road testing these ideas, what is still going to lead to the best outcome? So you are having you are doing all of that detailed work and coming at that with a, an informed, uh, different perspectives, bringing all the wisdom and all the knowledge, and then you're allowing somebody else to synthesise that information, which is what we would then do at the governance board table, and then say, okay, having regard to all of that road test, what is the best path for this business mm -hmm. to take? So actually, yes, you know, they, the governance and the advisory board roles work very well together. Mm -hmm. As long as I think you realise that when you're in an, an advisory board role, at some point you have to concede that what you might think is in the best interest may not be the path that's chosen. Mm -hmm. So if that, if that happens, you just have to accept that someone else has, to, has that decision-making authority and mm -hmm. you leave that. You walk out. If road tested, that's where your role ends. You walk away. Yes. The governance board, we, we often reflect on that. As you know, we walk out of the boardroom, we spend some time, we question our peers, we just we talk about it further. Well, once that's done in the advisory board table, you walk away from that. You're a certified chair of advisory boards. Tell me, what, what's key for a chair of an advisory board to, to know and to be and to be on the lookout for? So the learnings that I've taken away from that is that we have a role to ensure, like around every board table, that the opportunity to discuss and hear and to, more importantly for all of us, actively listen is provided. And so the connection through to the business and the business driving the information through to the advisory board also is the role of the chair. But again, the, the role of the chair of an advisory board is different in the sense of the governance board chair holds the business or the CEO to account in a more stringent way. Right. An advisory board, that business wants you there. So mm. they are driving a lot of that platform themselves. You are the facilitator in the boardroom. You are the enabler to ensure that road test is done most effectively. So there are there is a distinction in the roles because although you might touch point once a month with that business owner and you might hold them to account to understand if a decision's been taken, you're not ensuring it's implemented into the business. You're not checking back on that. Yeah. Your job is done once that once that business owner takes that decision for themselves. Whereas mm -hmm. the governance chair very much has, as you and I know, that role of holding that executive to the to account mm -hmm. for performance of the decisions. So as somebody who sits on governance boards and really enjoys those kind of strategic, big picture conversations, it sounds a bit to me like the advisory board is taking all the fun out of it. They get the fun side and we get the compliance side. How does that sound? Absolutely. I think for big sky thinkers, entrepreneurs, people who like being in that performance focus side of, you know, setting the strategy and thinking about big picture policy and policy setting future direction, I think an advisory board is a really provides a really good opportunity for you if you're that type of thinker. Mm. I think there's opportunities that uh, also build your thinking as a governance director to hold an advisory board role because you are thinking through a different lens and you are 
bringing different ideas to discussions, which then can influence how you think as a governance director. So I think it's a good suite to have in, in, in your portfolio to look to what can I do to add value in an advisory board setting. I think there's been a bit of a thinking that an advisory board role doesn't have the same level of kudos as a governance board role. To my mind, recognising the level of compliance and legal liability associated with governance performance boards, I think that uh, there'll be a few that will lean towards the advisory board model because you get all the fun, like you say, with limited responsibility, provided you're performing doing your readings and attending your meetings that's pretty much what's expected of you and of course yeah. thinking big bringing uh, you know your connections and opportunities back to that business because that's what we do in any form of directorship is use our network to leverage for the organization's success i think my view is yes go for it an advisory board role is fun <laughs> Yep, it certainly sounds that way. So we've covered so much in this conversation. What are the main points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Thanks, Helio. I think keep in mind that directorship across either an advisory or a governance performance focus board, they all they both positions require you to understand who you are, to bring your wisdom, different perspectives, to be inquisitive. And an advisory board model is your only road testing and someone else makes a decision. The governance model is your road testing and you have responsibility and accountability for the decision. So uh, having those roles together will help build the way you can influence around all board tables. And is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Well, in keeping with that influence topic, uh, I've particularly liked and have been using for some time now Max Planck's statement, which is, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And certainly as directors, that's what we do. We are not, for example, like myself, a lawyer with a governance background. I am not a lawyer at the board table. I am somebody that looks through the lens of that legal training and then identifies how we can do things differently. So I changed the way that I look at things so that the things that I need to look at will change. I'd highly recommend that. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes as well. And um, actually, cheekily, I'm going to add another question just to see how that flies. Um, what's, what's your proudest moment in the boardroom, whether it's the advisory board or a governance board? Can you tell us about a time in the boardroom where you felt very proud? This is one that I, I often think as directors, we ought to be proud when there's a relationship between the board and the executive team that feels like we are on the same team. Mm. And when you have moments like that where you have a huh around the table and everybody feels like we are all aligned, that's quite a proud moment for me because I, it, to, maybe it's only the experiences I've had, Helio, and I'm interested in your thoughts now you have to share. 
that sometimes feels very far and few between. It's yeah, often yeah. the case, even though we are all on the same team, that there's matters that are yet to be dealt with effectively or we've got to work our way through some issues so that we're all aligned. And when that happens, it feels like that organisation is on the right journey and that we've achieved what we are there to do as directors, which is to add value, set some guidance and to challenge effectively. Have you ever felt that aha moment? I'm thinking of, a, as you know, I'm on the board of a hospital and I'm actually trying to think of the topic. You know, I can actually remember that aha moment very recently, but fascinatingly, the topic itself isn't coming to my mind. But I, it was something around, you know, we're obviously in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm on the board of a hospital and whilst we are not a, we're a specialist hospital, so we don't have an adult intensive care unit, so we are not quite as impacted as some of the others. And it was something around that. And our CEO has just fabulous empathy and warmth and strength. And it's not often that those things go together. And something had come up. I cannot recall what. Honestly, I can't. I'm not just avoiding naming it. I honestly can't remember the topic. But I recall her reporting on it and just thinking, well, like that is exactly as I would have liked you to have done. And that was the reaction of the rest of the board as well. So, um, yeah, it's those moments. Not, is it? It's just not. So when it happens, yeah, I think that's where you think we're, we're all doing okay here. Everything's fine. Like I can remember that feeling of it. Oh, look at you turning the microphone around on me. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I needed your response to check that we're <laughs> all good. Thank you so much for being on the Take On Board podcast today, Sonia. It has been really fascinating to hear some different perspectives around advisory boards and what they're about and what they mean and hoping that we have, um, I'm sure we have, provided some food for thought for the Take On Board community around advisory boards and governance boards. So thank you for spending your time with us here today. Thank you, Helia. Thank you for the opportunity. Lovely to speak with you. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you for being part of the conversation. As you know, I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together and I think we're stronger together. So as always, I'd love it if you could share this podcast with someone you know and ask them to subscribe. But this week, I've got a specific ask. I'm going to try an experiment for the next few weeks. Each week, I'm going to ask you if you can share this podcast with someone you know from a specific area. So I'm wondering if you know anyone in Europe that would be interested in all things governance, that would like to hear the voices of women in the boardroom. If so, could you share this podcast with them and ask them to subscribe? Thank you so much for being part of the Take On Board community and tune in next week for more tips and tricks on being your best in the boardroom.